Welcome to a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing this week, Seth? I'm good. All right. Uh, this episode of the Electric Podcast is sponsored by Recurrent Auto. Check the battery before buying a used EV and monitor your battery performance with monthly insight uh, using Recurrent's free battery report for EV owners. We're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on the show. Stay tuned for that. Well, let's jump in right away. With again, that's something I've been dominating the news, not just in the EV space, even though it's like barely related to EVs, but like just the tech space period dominated by Elon buying Twitter because this week there was a big uh, reversal because it, it didn't look good the week before that when we talked about it, like uh, the board uh, adopting a poison pill approach. Not a lot of hype around it, uh, around the people that are at Twitter. Uh, were were they the the Saudis that have a board seat and they have a big investment in Twitter's in Twitter and they were like no no we're not gonna go for the for the proposal but then during the weekend some reports are coming out last weekend like oh it looks like they are warming up to it especially since the Elon actually had the funding secured on this one <laughs> with the last Friday he published all the letter of commitment for the debt and the, and the equity and then. On Monday, sure enough, the board announced we actually are approving the acquisition, the um, proposal from Elon to buy Twitter and take it private. Uh, so that was like the big, the big news this week. But then what happened after that was the part that it's more related to electric vehicle and, and Tesla in particular. Because so as we discussed last week with the letter of commitment, so Elon is backing the debt portion. Uh, at least uh, most of the debt portion, twelve point five billion, I think, of the debt that he's using to buy Twitter uh, with Tesla shares. So he needs his Tesla share to secure that loan, and also he needs the share price to stay at a certain level. Looks like about oh, at least over seven fifty something like that to uh, not trigger a sell of his share to compens- to to cover the loan. But there's also twenty one billion in equity that they was promised as part of the deal. And uh, he's not expected to supply the whole $21 billion in equity himself. He's, he's expected to have some partner, and apparently there's plenty of people interested. It's not going to be a problem on that front. But he was expected to, uh, to, to, to supply some cash, too, to cover that. And, of course, Elon is not super cash rich. He did sell a lot of Tesla share last year, uh, which was framed like for the whole – like. Uh, uh, thing about like paying taxes and everything which he did he used it to pay taxes but he also took out a little bit more cash than he, he needed to to pay taxes from uh from those sales last year when he sold around what 16 billion dollars worth of tesla stocks and like that uh, <laughs> those numbers are so crazy when you talk about them um i always want to say million because like ah, who, who the hell like sells 16 billion worth of anything ever right <laughs> um so he had some cash left at that. He, he used some of that, like three or four billion, to to buy that nine percent of of Twitter before it was even disclosed that he was doing it. And uh, but he was expected, like now, to to need some more of that uh, for for the deal. And sure enough, this week after the deal was announced, what we learned on the twenty sixth, twenty seventh, and uh, yesterday on the twenty eighth, he started selling. A lot of Tesla stocks, about uh, 8.5 billion worth of Tesla stock over a three-day period. Uh, yesterday, after it started being disclosed that it was selling, 
he did confirm that uh, he's not planning. Well, no further Tesla sales plan after today. So he's not planning any more sales after today. So this is uh, this is uh, obviously affecting Tesla stock price. Uh, let me see where it is at right now because uh, it, it, it was recovering today, but then fell again. Yeah, it's down today, so it closed um, eight seventy, so eight hundred seventy dollars. So basically, Elon selling the stock would put would push direct pressure on the stock. Like when you sell eight billion dollars worth of the stock, like it is all the uh, a sell side. Uh, and you, there just need to be a lot of people buying to compensate for it, and uh, it, it basically wiped out around uh, 150 billion dollars off of Tesla's market cap, which is not great for Tesla. Tesla having a high <laughs> share price is, is good for the company if the company, especially, wants to raise money. Though uh, it doesn't look like there's that's in the near future for for Tesla. Um, but it's also good for <laughs> when you have a lot of debt backed against those stocks, and um, and yeah, so it bring, it brings back this idea too that Elon was like always selling, saying before uh, before the solar ordeal that he's going to be the last one to sell Tesla shares, uh, last one out, the last one out. He was saying. And of course, then last year he sold a ton of shares, but like people are like, all right, he needs to because he's getting more shares through the option that he is getting uh, that needs to be exercised. So it makes sense for him to, he's going to have to pay a ton of taxes on those. So it makes sense for him to actually sell shares. But this is different. Now he's literally selling Tesla shares to buy Twitter. So I mean, if you take it from uh, just a money perspective, which of course Elon says that it's not the case here, he's not he, he's not too worried apparently about the economics of the Twitter deal, even though th- that's what he says publicly. But apparently, when he goes to the banks for those for the, for those uh, loans and the and the commitment letters, <laughs> he, I'm sure he has a different spiel. But and we found out some of that today on uh, Bloomberg. Yeah, uh, they. They mentioned that Elon's great idea was to make people pay for uh, tweet embeds. Yeah, that was a, a weird one. Like for other websites, if you want to embed a tweet, which we do all the time at Electric, especially when we cover Elon, and he, he releases all the news to tweets, so you can just easily embed that in an article, and it's it's useful for the reader uh, if they're not up to date on the Twitter feed. But he thinks that publications will actually pay for people to embed <laughs> this tweet, which makes no sense. Because I mean, let, let me tell you, like, we're, we're not being cheap or anything like that. Here is just there's no integral value for us to embed a tweet versus just screenshotting it and and putting it in there. Like it's like it's just a tiny bit more convenience. <laughs> That's it. So we're not gonna. No one's gonna pay for that. I and mean, no. Or just quote me. texting it. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like yeah. Unless like it's an image or whatever. Like that. That can be. Actually, that can be a more of a, a a place to to invest. Like if they made it so that there's an easy way to get to license pictures through uh, uh, embedding them uh, p- pictures that were posted on Twitter. But even that, like getting into that, that would be that would be a, a probably a, a licensing nightmare too, because like people are going to claim or post pictures on Twitter claiming that it's theirs. But of course, a lot of people post things on Twitter that's not their actual pictures, you know, on the rights on them. So I don't even know if that's 
don't listen to me. That might not be a good idea, actually. <laughs> I'm no lawyer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so technically, Elon is selling Tesla to buy Twitter. From a, a financial perspective, for an investor, that would mean that he, he see more values in his money being in Twitter than in Tesla, literally, even though he still owns a ton of Tesla. He basically sold 6% of his stakes in Tesla. So it's still a decent amount. Like, again, we're talking about $8 billion. Um, but even if you had... Uh, what he sold last year to to buy his first stake in Twitter, you add up to about twelve billion dollars now that he sold twelve billion dollars worth of Tesla share to uh, buy Twitter. Uh, so that's that's a sends a weird signals to investors for sure. Like, all right, is he saying that Twitter is more important than than, than Tesla right now? Uh, and of course, a lot of Tesla fans don't like it for a good reason because the mission of Tesla is an important one. I think most people would agree on that. While the Twitter mission is, um, what is the Twitter mission? Yeah, what's the mission statement of Twitter? I mean, you, we know what he wants it to be now. He wants it to be like a free speech platform, town yeah, town square with uh, complete free speech. And, and, and to be honest, like there's a lot of things that he's talking about doing there that I, I agree with that that makes sense, um, especially like less moderation and, and more free speech. Like I do think that it's an easier it's easier problem to solve to just be amidst a lot of misinformation and try to sort through that rather than trying to moderate fairly. <laughs> I think that's, which is what Twitter has been trying to do. And uh, a lot of people will argue failing at um, versus, and, and the, the counter argument to that, they don't want people spreading misinformation on a platform, which no one wants really. But uh, like, Especially we are, we we are in media industry, we're journalists here, so like finding the right information is our job. So maybe then we're a little bit biased about that. But I find it easier to uh, go like find the truth in a sea of misinformation rather than just trying to navigate whether or not you 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 uh, what you're saying will get you banned or whatever. <laughs> but I mean, it's different for everyone. Uh, but the, the other thing, well, the other thing that was interesting that came out this week of of this is uh, there is rumor that Elon has a CEO in place for, for for Twitter. So that would be another concern for Tesla um, Tesla fans and, and Tesla investor. Like how much time this is going to take away Elon from 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 Twitter. And if you remember, said I don't know if you caught that part uh, from his uh, TED uh, TED talk, well TED interview, whatever he. Um, he valued his time at Tesla as like uh, around a million dollar a minute. That was he, was like, he was like, yeah, if I get a 30 minute, 30 minute uh, meeting at Tesla and, and that meeting ends up uh, improving like gross margin by half a point. Well, that's like 10, like this amount of billions of dollars a quarter. So it comes down to like, if I spend 30 minutes and then like, it's a million dollars a minute, whatever, like I, I, I'm, I don't have the whole numbers here, but so <laughs> literally every minute that Elon spends on Twitter, and by on Twitter I mean on the on the business of the company and not on the actual platform, um, he's not spending on Tesla or SpaceX or the boring company or other projects that I think a lot of people will agree are more uh, important than than Twitter. Uh, but having a CEO in place uh, that he trusts to implement his vision for it would be uh, useful. Uh, we don't know who it is, though. They, they, no one has uh, disclosed it. Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you think Jack Dorsey would, would come back, or do you think he's done with it? I don't know. I think Jack has been kind of lobbying for that position. He's been very pro-Elon throughout the process. 
Um, so it seems like he would be. But the problem is Jack has got his own Block little, and, yeah. you know, conglomerate going as well with yeah. with the uh, the the crypto and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he's already CEO of like a fifty billion dollar company. So right. <laughs> being a, and he was at one point CEO of both at the same time, but. And uh, well, Elon has been doing that for a long time, so maybe there's there's some value to it. I don't know. Yeah, but there's definitely to it. Like if you cut the moderation at Twitter, if you cut a lot of of, of things at Twitter, you can probably make it a lot leaner, a lot easier to manage. Like, but when I say easier to manage, like maybe you, maybe your lawyer's department, <laughs> the legal department, you need to boost it a little bit. Uh, this, it, it doesn't sound like there, there's no way this is going to go smoothly. The, the way I, I mean, it. so let's think about it. Like Jack Dorsey until a few months ago was the CEO of Twitter. Like yeah. basically Twitter as it exists today was what Jack built. You know, well, he was out for a few years at one point. Right. He was, he was out for a few years, but he came yeah. back and he was back for like quite a bit of time. Mm. So, you know, all the stuff that's in place now is basically what Jack put in place. And, and of course, the board was probably telling Jack, you got to do this, you got to do that, whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe Elon would be like, do, what, do whatever you want. But I, like for me, like all the things that Elon's are complaining about mm-hmm. are things that Jack put into place. So for that but reason, the, I, the idea yeah. is that, that Jack had, had big shackles on and he couldn't right. do a lot of the things that he wanted to do. Uh, and f- because we we've heard him say a lot of uh, I don't know if you said like when he went on the Joe Rogan podcast like there's a lot of things that he said on there that basically Elon has just repeated since the, this whole uh, the idea of buying Twitter. So I I think the idea is like an unshackled Jack Dorsey would have been completely uh, running Twitter in a completely different way. Which is interesting because like why if you're the CEO why why are you shackled? Theoretically, if you're the CEO, you should be able to do whatever the heck you want. Well, we're used to covering Tesla, who's right, as a CEO right. that also owns 20% of the company, and like unofficially have basically control over the board. Uh, right. Due to Jack we, only owns like two and a half percent of the company. Exactly, and uh, it's not uh, Elon. You have to give him that the the, the control that he, he retains over his companies or. Or well, I don't know how much he owns of SpaceX one time, but I know just a few years ago he still owned the majority of, of shares of, of SpaceX, who is now literally the largest launch providers in the world, like rocket launcher provider. So rocket launcher, that's not the, the right one. Biggest provider of orbital launches. Anyway, so that was the old Twitter saga this week. Uh, looks like it, it might actually calm down now. Like if, like, so he sold this Tesla shares. The the board is bringing uh, this to a vote, but they're going to recommend the shareholders vote for it. So it's most likely going to pass. If it doesn't pass, they have to give a million dollars to Elon Musk. And if for for some reason the deal doesn't come true because of Elon, Elon has to pay Twitter a billion dollars. So that would be fun. So pretty sure it's not going to happen, and they're actually going to go through. Uh, and uh, and then. Then it's all going to be about like how much actual time Elon's going to spend on this, and other than that, it shouldn't affect Tesla. But Elon had a big week this week because there was that happening. He got uh, the Twitter deal done, and then within the same day on Wednesday, he had two uh, rulings uh, in two different court cases that are affecting him. Uh, the first one was uh, regarding the uh, acquisition of. Uh, uh, so sorry. The first one was for the the ruling of the uh, Twitter police clause of uh, the SEC deal that uh, they, dates back to uh, 
2018 with the funding secured to it. Uh, so the the interesting part of this is just just before the rulings came out earlier this week, uh, his lawyers uh, did a big filing that included a bunch of text messages and emails between Elon and uh, the uh, public investment fund from Saudi Arabia and the representative and a bunch of other people. And it's not clear if they wanted that to be unredacted because before that they, they had been filed but redacted and you couldn't see them. Now you could actually see the whole thing, uh, which was uh, interesting. And it gave some context to the whole thing, uh, some context that I would argue basically confirms what most common sense people thought about this whole situation, which, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I thought that's what most people saw it. If you're not like a Tesla super fan or a Tesla haters, like, like if you're a super fan, you think, Elon didn't do anything wrong at all. And if you're a hater, you think he was willingly trying to defraud people. I think most people just saw it as Elon met with a bunch of people that showed interest in helping him take Tesla private around that time. He got a little bit too excited. Twitter (laughs) tweeted funding secured when the requirement for saying that weren't exactly met. And uh, and then the ACC jumped on that and were like, hey, hey show us what's, what you mean by founding security. And then he didn't have much to show for, to be honest. And that's what those texts confirm, basically. Those texts and Elon's own deposition about the meeting itself. Like even in the own, his own interpretation of how the meeting went, it didn't go further than apparently PIF, uh, the, the Saudi Arabian's uh, investment fund, saying that... Uh, They've been thinking about t- uh, making a deal to take Tesla private, and and, um, and that uh, he has the the person in charge of uh, the investment fund had the authority because he's in the good favors of uh, uh, of the crown prince of, of Saudi Arabia. Very good guy, apparently. Um, hmm. <laughs> a good good friend to have and a good investor in Tesla. Uh, and I, I was trying to look at a comment about that, but didn't Elon like? Came down on Lucid for being owned by by the Saudis too. Like, yeah, after that fact, like I, I've tried to find the actual when where he said that I couldn't find it, but I, I have a vivid memory of of him being like, "Yeah, you shouldn't like Lucid is owned by the Saudis." Or I remember <laughs> what you see in those text messages right here is Elon like trying Begging. hard to get the Saudis to to at least admit that they are like they they were part of this whole thing and weren't willing to do it. Uh, but the, what, what the, the text messages basically showed is that um, they had this meeting for sure. They showed some interest in MSN, but they didn't go into the details of how this is going to happen and like, uh, the money involved in, exactly in it. They're just like, we have a ton of money. If you want to take Tesla private, we'd be into that. Let's discuss more. And then Elon just like funding secured and SEC gets involved. And then Elon just go back to uh, – Elon, like someone leaks that the the fund, the, the Saudi Arabia's fund was part of what led to the founding secure idea, uh, and uh, and the fund says no, we're like we just have like early discussions about it. We we are not like we're, we're not taking this a pirate and that we haven't committed any any funds to that. And then Elon gets mad at that comment. And basically, you have to tell them that you're in discussion with us to go to, to take private because you're making me look like a liar and everything like that. And then in the message text, you really have the guy say, like, uh, for example, the guy, the guy's name is Yasir. 
Good morning, Elon. Uh, just wanted to check in and see when your team would be able to start sending us information and perhaps have a kick kickoff call with our international investment team. If Sam uh, Sam Teller, uh, Elon's chief of staff at the time, can organize, that would be great. Best yes year. So that like it was sound were, like secured. Yeah, they were they, they were like, let's have a call, a, a phone call to like kick off, a like kick how off. like how yeah. is this gonna happen? Like they were really early in the information, and then. All the other text messages around it to all confirm the same thing. You basically have, uh, uh, you, 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 you basically uh, the Martin Vieca, Vieca is his name, the, the head of uh, mm -hmm. investor relation at, at Tesla. Uh, all the a, a bunch of people were reaching out to him. A bunch of an investor was asking like, "What's up with that? What is he saying? My funding secure?" And uh, he basically confirmed that he has they, they have nothing more than that. So so everything came down to Elon basically, like Elon in that meeting. And uh, apparently, uh, Deepak uh, Awuja, the, the CFO at the time, was also in that meeting. But like they, they are the only one that at Tesla that had an idea of what the, the Saudis were thinking. And from everything we get on the Saudi side, what they were thinking is like, yeah, they had some interest in them, but it didn't go that far. Um, which, when it comes down to it, like, is it that big of a deal? Like, it, to me, it wouldn't be if Elon would just admit that he got a little bit too excited and like he, 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 he shouldn't really have tweeted funding secured. He should have tweeted probably like, I'm looking to take this to private and we have some parties interested in funding that. Right. Like that would that like, if you just have tweeted that instead of funding secured, which made it sound like you have commitment letters from people, like, like just exactly like what's happening right now with Twitter. It sounds like that, but it wasn't. Um, so like, like, At the end of the day, they, he got a slap on the wrist for it from the SEC, but he really doesn't like the Twitter police clause that that's included in that slap on the wrist. Which is the ultimate irony because he's about to own Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So he's not allowed to use his own service or whatever. That's yeah. It's so silly. What a what a weird reality. Like yeah. This this version of the well, what, what he's not allowed pretty. to do, like he's 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 He, sh he has to get his tweet reviews when it's stuff that's material to Tesla, reviewed by the Tesla uh, legal department. Is that that big of a deal? Like you, Normal CEOs do that all the time, like yeah. without question. It would be less uh, big of a deal if uh, Elon's Twitter wasn't the number one source of information about Tesla. Like Normally, all, the, normally the material information goes to the PR department and get decimated to the media. Legal, uh, yeah. The, the press release for the public accessible to Tesla blog or whatever. Like, I'm not saying that you have to get your news from the media. You can get it directly from Tesla, but no, you have to get it directly from Elon's Twitter because Tesla doesn't have a PR department anymore. So yeah, that makes it more uh, a bigger deal now that he has to get his, his things reviewed. Though also it makes it like more valuable to review them at the same time. So I, it's just it wouldn't be that big of a deal like if he just takes it on the chin. Is like I screwed up, but instead he's so insistent. Like I never lied, I never lied, which I don't think like people are not like saying that he's outright lying. He's like you exaggerated a little bit. You were a little bit too excited, but the fact that he's like so much sticking, like like oh, basically, is he saying that he never tweeted anything crazy? Well, <laughs> this is the kind of tenacity that get got him where he is. You know? Yeah, like just doesn't doesn't give up, doesn't. Yeah. Just keeps going until he wears down to everybody else. <laughs> But now what happened is that like he tried to get the the deal reversed, and uh, the judge didn't bite. Um, trying to uh, yeah, right here, the judge says uh, Musk cannot 
cannot now seek to retract the agreement he knowingly and willingly entered by simply bemoaning that he felt like he had to agree to it at the time. But now, once the specter of the litigation is distant memory and his company has become, in his estimation, all but invincible, wishes that he had not. So this is referencing the fact that Elon said that he was pressured into accepting the ECC settlement from uh, Tesla's banking partners saying that uh, they would have issue raising more money if um, if they had this uh, SEC investigation still still uh, looming around. I mean, this, which I this get. Plan, I mean, that that's plan, certainly- the plan seems like a legal strategy. It doesn't seem like yeah. reality at all. Like uh, you, you know, Alex Spiro's his lawyer. He's quite a, quite a good lawyer. Expensive, obviously. Yeah. And the whole story that Elon is telling is like seems like a legal thing that was put together rather than a, you know, any any sort of, like, reality. Yeah, I mean, one of uh, Spiro's argument was, like, has Elon Musk ever had any issues securing funds before? Like, as if that's, like, an argument for saying that the funding is secure. Like, dude, I'm so good at raising money that the money is already secure. That's, like, like he, technically, he's not wrong. <laughs> like, he's good at raising money. He's hell of a good. But... It's not, you cannot still say that. Like the words have meaning. It's not. Anyway, uh, it, it, but n- now it looks like uh, he's still going to have that Twitter police on his back for a while. So not that it means anything, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. And then the same day, there was another, uh, another ruling, this time for Elon. Good for him. Uh, he won the case uh, for the. Um, over the acquisition of uh, Solar City, where uh, he, he was accused by some investors, some pension funds, and, and, and institutional investor were suing him, uh, saying that he, um, he, they basically were framing the acquisition of Solar City as Elon bailing out Solar City, a company that he was heavily invested in, that his family was heavily invested in, and uh, Tesla basically just uh, overpaid for a nearly bankrupt company. Um, now. Uh, the argument against that is that it turned out pretty well. Like Tesla paid $2.6 billion for, for Solar City. And uh, to this day now, like Tesla Energy is making like probably that much every six months or so. Of course, Tesla Energy is also the uh, energy storage business, but Solar City held the energy storage business. There was a lot of I guess that that word gets overused a little bit, but synergy between the two. Um, but in, that, in this case, it's probably uh, the right word since uh, literally, like you, you could Tesla was able to use all the Solar City installation crew for solar and uh, get them to install like the power walls with it and uh, the charging station too. They were charging station partner for a while, so there was a lot of a synergy. Uh, but the, the the case the case went on for so long. That was back in 2016 that they made that this, this acquisition, and I think it was a few years later that the, the investors uh, sued, and uh, and they sued not just Elon, uh, they sued the whole Tesla board, and the whole Tesla board was quick to just settle. Like they gave they gave the investor a few million dollars, they settled, and they're like, yeah. Uh, they didn't do any wrongdoing or anything, but they like they didn't want to bother with that. But Elon was a uh, uh, likes the truth. <laughs> what would he say that? Like he's a truth. Anyway, uh, he uh, he never settled like that, and probably spent more in in lawyers' fee than he would have just settling that whenever the board settled it. Uh, well, I mean, they probably have insurance for that anyway. And um, 
he he fought for it for for years really and that the trial was last summer and now the judge just uh released the the the, the judgment on it and he said that the the preponderance of the evidence reveals that Tesla paid a fair price so the sorcity was at a minimum worth what Tesla paid for it and the acquisition otherwise was highly beneficial to Tesla so good for the judge i think he saw it right like that's it's, it has been good for Tesla uh, though he did uh, while well, he did side with Musk on that he did admit that Elon was too involved in the process like uh, there was a lot of accusation that uh, he should have completely recused himself which he said he would uh, from discussion about the acquisition on the board meeting and stuff and apparently he didn't really do that uh, so some people were worried that he was actually like pushing for uh, the acquisition in those board meetings when, when he shouldn't have uh, but uh, other than that uh, it, it's uh, it's a victory for him, though he could appeal for it. But for now, it's uh, it's done unless there's an appeal. All right, uh, the uh, oh the mom charger situation that we discussed last week, uh, unfortunate situation where Tesla is not giving, uh, including uh, mobile connectors with every new car purchase like it used to for years. They um, Elon did say that they were going to reduce the price of those chargers with that. Uh, and uh, now Tesla went through with it, and uh, it, it's a good deal too that they did. I mean, it's not I mean, obviously we'd prefer that it was included with a car. We discussed all the reason for that last week, but uh, they um, they brought the price down of the mobile connector to two hundred dollars, but they also included uh, the fourteen fifty NEMA correct connector in that. So you actually get the two fifty, uh, the two fifty the. Uh, 220 volt uh, connector with it so that's the, the, the that's big like that's a really cheap connector now 200 dollars um of course it's not as cheap as included in the car but it's still right um and even the wall connector got a price uh, decreased to 400 dollars, and that that's impressive too because try to found to find a 48 amp uh electric vehicle chargers with wi-fi connectors there's not a lot of that like that starts basically at like 600 dollars for the cheapest one and then uh, even like the most of them are like eight hundred. Like charge points, one that's forty eight amp and Wi Fi is probably like nine hundred dollars something like that. So it's uh, it, it's really cheap. It used to be five hundred, so it went down by hundred bucks. It makes sense because now like so now that's those are the two options. And and sure enough, Tesla also updated the online configurator to had them in there when you order the car because that's the thing now. Then if you when you order the car, you get the car, you have no charging option. You have to go to a supercharger basically if you want to charge the car unless you have a home charging uh, situation. Uh, so to do that, you ha- either have to order the mobile connector or the wall connector. And as we discussed last week, remember, Elon was saying that uh, there was no, uh, the the usage statistics show that uh, it was super low. That was his word, super low. We questioned that, and there's some data that also questions it that's not, not exactly clear. We did suspect that the the real issue might be the supply of it because the 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 mobile connector was back ordered then and it's still back ordered now. Uh, you cannot order it directly on the website. If you do order it with the car there, it says delivery August to October. So it looks like the thing is back ordered until August and October. Though testers probably has some stock to deliver with the cars that were ordered before April 17 when you were expected to still have a mobile connector with every order. So that's something to keep in mind. But yeah, it looks like Tesla is having like a supply issue with those. But then if you order the wall connector with it, you also need to make sure that you have your uh, installation in time and everything when your car comes in. So there's a lot of timing expectation with that. 
Yeah, I wonder if the wall connector would come a month or so earlier. Yeah, you would you would hope so. Of course, there's also plenty of other wall uh, charging options out there. Yep. All right. Used car prices. Oh boy, I was I was looking into that this week. The Tesla's used car prices. We we've been seeing them like creeping up, like around the same price as a a new uh, a new order. But now I've seen like several that are literally like more expensive than ordering the exact same version but brand new, uh, and some even with like thirty thousand miles on the car, <laughs> and it's still unreal. Yeah, it's still more more expensive than like here's a few example. This model Y, a 2020 model Y with uh, three hundred uh, thirty thousand miles on it, and it's listed at uh, seventy nine thousand two hundred dollars, which is literally a thousand dollar more than if you do the exact same configuration today. Uh, now keep in mind, so that's today with all the price increase over the yeah. last year. So Crazy. if if you were to compare when the car was first bought, which we cannot do exactly because we, we don't know exactly when that when that car was bought in 2020, but it's probably around six to ten thousand uh, dollar less than it is right now. So that's seven to eleven thousand dollar of value gain on that car over I mean not probably not exactly because that, that's a car that Tesla is reselling. So they probably bought it for a little bit lower than that, but still um that's on Tesla's website again. Uh, we I found this this other model Y a twenty twenty one with fifteen thousand miles. So the person bought it, drove it for a year, and now it's selling for the for a thousand dollar more than it's it's selling if you buy it new right now if you configure it new right now. Uh, there's plenty of other examples of that for the model Y. Uh, I found a few for the model three, but a lot fewer of them. Um, this this model three here uh, is is selling for seventy one thousand eight hundred. If you configure it uh, exactly as new, uh, you still get it about a thousand dollar less. So the only advantage, of course, is that you get it uh, now uh, versus having to wait in some of those cases, like up to six nine months. Right, and that's that's the whole reason people are willing to pay more for a used car than a new one. Absolutely. And one thing that I thought was interesting, the way Tesla is doing it too, it looks like Tesla every used car that they re- they reselling, they they put the full self driving on them. So that that also plays a big factor into the value of the vehicle because if I compare it to a new one, then that's twelve thousand dollars more. Uh, but when those cars were or were were delivered, it probably either the original buyer didn't even buy the full self driving or it was cheaper. Yeah, it's nice when you control the software, you can increase the value of a car by twelve thousand just by yeah. you know clicking a switch. Yeah, and they know they're going to sell those, so they're like, all right, let's just. Let's get a very big gross margin on those vehicles. Yeah. All right. Let's start uh, recurrent a little bit mid show right now. All right. This week, the electric podcast is sponsored by recurrent battery ports for EV owners. And actually this week I signed up, uh, they, they go right into your uh, Tesla account and pull all the data from there. So it's really easy. Uh, With Recurrent, you can check the battery before buying a used EV, monitor your battery's performance over your entire ownership with monthly insights, then command higher resale values with the battery condition report when it's time to trade in. Recurrent gives people confidence in EV batteries, whether they're a first-time buyer or a long-time EV owner. While legacy combustion engines have 2,000 parts, an electric motor has two dozen. 
The most important and expensive part of an EV is the battery, and it's literally a black box. Recurrent makes battery performance and expected range over time more transparent. Reports are free for individual owners, and Recurrent also has paid options available for car dealers to run bulk reports. You can sign up for your free report at recurrentauto.com or by hitting the link in the show notes. Thanks to Recurrent. Yes, we have an example of a battery report here, which is pretty good. You can see where your car uh, or the car that you're going to buy compares uh, towards like the average in terms of uh, the range after a certain mileage on the car. Uh, you get more example here. It's uh, it's very cool. Very thorough report. Yeah, super helpful. Oh, they give you an estimated value too. Okay. Okay. All right, um, Ford, big week for Ford. They announced that the uh, F-150 Lightning production has started at the Rouge facility in Michigan. The the vehicle is now in production with deliveries starting uh, imminently, really. Uh, we don't have an exact timing on them, but uh, uh, they are starting with the cheapest one, too, which is uh, different from the uh, the rest of the industry. Normally, they go top-down. Uh, like Rivian is starting, of course, with their very expensive version of the vehicle, uh, GMC with the Hummer EV, it's a hundred and twenty thousand pickup truck that they start with. Uh, Rivian is starting with the forty thousand dollar one, but uh, they didn't go into the details with that. But I would assume that the did, why they're doing it like that is because, um, well, first of all, you can deliver more vehicles with fewer batteries. Yep. But also, the forty thousand dollar version is uh, aimed specifically at the commercial market, so. They probably have a few fleet partners that they can they can deal with, and uh, having the early production, uh, keeping a close eye on it, and everything. It's probably smart to do it like that. Uh, but apparently, customer deliveries are coming soon too, so something to keep an eye on. And uh, from what everything we're hearing, that the production is starting like a decent swing too. Uh, we don't we still don't expect like giant volume this year. This is more going to be next year when they're planning a capacity of one hundred fifty thousand uh, units, but. Um, what did you say? I, I didn't find that set where where we found out, but uh, uh, did you say something about the volume being already higher than Rivian or something like that? Yes. Some, I can't even remember where it might have been even talking to Ford, but um, they said it was something like a a uh, a swing at Rivian saying they've already made more Ford F-150s than Rivian's made, which would imply that they're over 2,000 at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe they were already, well, Depends on what what they count, like if they're pre-production or is this vehicle that right. actually delivered to customers. I, I don't know. And we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna have an opportunity to drive the F-150 uh, Monday to Tuesday. So we'll have whenever the embargo is up on that, we'll have lots lots of experience there. Yeah, um, yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Before that, we only had a test uh, ride in it. We haven't had the opportunity to actually drive the vehicle just yet, so it's good. Uh, oh, GM and this uh, big announcement this week, uh, they kind of uh, buried the lead on it. They were like talking more about their uh, Altium, like energy recovery system. Uh, but at the same time, what they did is like they confirmed uh, an upcoming all electric Corvette, which is something that we've been waiting for for a long time. And uh, we're pretty excited about uh, this is the video right here. I can show it, I guess. Yeah. For some reason, they made a, uh, a you know, it sounds like an internal combustion engine. Um, I guess, I guess what they, what they kind of announced more, uh, you know, they have the recovery system, but they also announced that they were going to have a hybrid Corvette or electrified. They use the term electrified, which is really frustrating. 
but um, we don't even know if that's going to be a plug-in hybrid, really. But um, I guess that's going to be all-wheel drive, and I guess that's mm-hmm. what they were showing here because it had an engine noise um, along with it. And then they would then uh, Royce said that in following that there'll be a fully electric version yeah. to follow. Doesn't say when. Doesn't say anything else about it. But they did. But the electrified an one is as soon as n- next year. Yes. So, I mean, follow. So it should it shouldn't be too far behind. But yeah, and I, I think mean, it should already be here. Really, like I think the reason for the vagaries and the whatever is that they don't want to cannibalize their current Corvette sales because I think a lot of people who are Corvette buyers may want to wait for the electric version because that'll be more interesting. That's coming from my point of view. I imagine there's a lot of Corvette owners who would say, no, the gas one is the one I want. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of that. But those in the know, that know, like, if you want the performance out of your Corvette, uh, that, right. like, if, if you're, like, just a gearhead or a petrol head that you, you want to hear your Corvette, which, I mean, to be honest, the Corvette does sound pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. but it does burn petrol, does smell weird, and it's not as fast as a dual motor all wheel drive system. It's just not. Um, nope. So that's gonna be. Uh, I mean, for for GM, I hope that they uh, they can bring that maybe before uh, or around the same time as the Roadster would be a competitor to that, I guess. Yeah, theory- theoretically. Yeah. All right, we have one more news item that we're gonna get into in a minute. Uh, so if you guys have questions for us, please put in the comment section right now, and then we're gonna get to them in a few minutes. Uh, you can give us a specific question about electric vehicles, about something we discussed today, or just a topic you want us to discuss, and we're going to get to it. Uh, but the last thing is we had uh, Mikey, our good friend Mikey. Uh, he, uh, he tested out the Subaru Solterra, the first all-electric Subaru, and uh, gave his impression, and, uh, his impression of the vehicle uh, after his test drive. On Electric, I suggest that you guys go uh, read the whole article. I won't go into too many details from it because, like, it's really it's it's his opinion of the car. But so it was uh, it was mainly impressed by it. Uh, just uh, the sounds like the range was uh, his issue. <laughs> range, yeah, I th- I think uh, you know the charging speed's a little lackluster, um, and the fact that it's basically a Toyota. Uh, <laughs> I think those were the, the, the downsides, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's basically the BZ4X. Like, is like you, I think it, it's, you, they you, really you, didn't you, do that much work, like yeah, you, disguising you, it. I mean, actually, uh, the front end, I guess. Yeah, I, I do like the front end more, but even I have like the two, sh- the, the, like the two tones, <laughs> the exact same yeah, two that, tone on the body that's, panel. That's not a good thing to copy. You know, yeah. like if I was Subaru, I'd be like, yeah, we're gonna remove that first thing yeah but i do like the two-tone so like <laughs> maybe they're like oh shit that's actually one of the best part about the car but the, yeah. the front end uh well actually i think i like the toyota front end more it's uh cleaner yeah the, the subaru looks a little bit like the mustang almost yeah yeah a little bit a little bit anyway it sounds like you had a pretty interesting adventure there yeah, had some uh flat. tire problems uh <laughs> Almost missed a plane, a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, you should check out the Mikey's review. It's uh, it's up right now. Like check, go check it out. All right, uh, should we jump into the comment section? Yep, let's do that now. All right. 
All right. I guess the first question is from Boss Fan. Does the recession threaten all the Q4 EV launches currently planned? I wonder which ones he's referring to because I think some may be and some maybe not. Uh, but how how would the recession uh, like push back the launches? Uh, oh, I was thinking I was thinking the uh, chip shortage, but um, uh, recession I don't think would would threaten anything any kind of launches. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's the thing that people need to keep in mind. Like we're, we're, you're electric vehicles are after the adoption rate is all about new car buyers and new car buyers is a very small portion of the population. It's rich people. Fortunately, that's what it is. Uh, and, uh, uh, the rich, I mean, they, they get affected by the recession, of course, <laughs> not as much as the poor. <laughs> they, they, right. so, they always, uh, get the worst end of it. Uh, unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, it's not, I don't think that's going to be that big of an issue right now. Um, and uh, how long that's going to be a recession? Too like we are in the in, in in a strange market right now, where like the innovation is going so fast that uh, I don't know. I don't know if we we do get like a recession. I don't think it's going to be a long one, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, you know maybe a bigger concern is the uh, that in China the uh, the um, lockdowns. Hopefully those ends. Yeah, soon, when but... are they going to wise up about that one? Like, uh, like uh, this. I know. I know that's uh, it's been hard for everyone, like to try to manage. Like, okay, the what's worse, the the viruses or, or the lockdown? Like, you have to manage that. Right. And uh, and a lot of places have been stricter than others. But when we look at what's happening in China right now, it looks kind of obvious right now when you have people that are like rioting in the street because they don't have food. That uh, There's the point where it becomes the, 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 the response to the virus becomes worse than the, the virus. Like that. Right. Uh, so hopefully that's not too bad. And, and all the EVs launch that are supposed to. All right, another question. Um, does Rivian and Maki use the same batteries? Fred, you have been using it, the, the Maki, for a few weeks. How does the Maki been holding up? Any early estimates of battery degradation for the Maki? So, just real quickly, we answered uh, Rivian uses Samsung and Mustang <coughs> uses LG and possibly SK going forward. Yeah, Ford has a giant deal with SK. But yeah, like you said, I don't think that's in the cars just yet. Um, I mean, they, they, they gave me a press loaner that had, like, I don't even remember exactly what they had on the meter, but it wasn't that much. Uh, had to be less than 5,000 miles or something like that. So it's not, I, I couldn't have a good idea of battery degradation, unfortunately. Uh, what I can tell you, though, is that Ford, uh, especially when you compare it to Tesla, which is what I drive the most, they are um, less aggressive in their estimates of range. So you can count on the range a little bit more, and I, I go I go through that in my uh, in my review. It's not it's not an article that's coming out ne- uh, next week. Probably going to finish it this weekend. It's not a review of the of the Mackie. I already reviewed that version. Uh, we, I was hoping to get a GT version so that we can review that, but they gave me an extended range uh, version. Uh, so I, we already reviewed that one. But it's more about uh, so if driving electric in the south. That's the premise of the article. Uh, but I do go through the fact that we, uh, there was one leg of the trip that was uh, a bit more nervous about in terms of getting there uh, with the range. And um, at least with Ford, the estimates that you get on the range, a live estimate, 
is not too aggressive. Like Tesla, like you, you can, it can go down fast. If you have a like 200 mile trip uh, and it gives you like, oh, you're going to get at like 20% when you get there. And then as you get closer, that 20% becomes like 19%, 18%, 17%. 18. So like it goes down fast. Yeah. Uh, with, with, uh, with, with the Mustang Mach-E, I found that, of course, I was being careful too because, like I said, it was very tight. Uh, but it doesn't go. It, it, the estimates are pretty good, which I think is one of the biggest deal for range anxiety is get yourself some good estimates on on the current capacity of the battery pack. Because uh, if it says like you have 250 miles, and then driving normally, I'm not saying if you're like abusing it or anything like that. Uh, you, you end up there and actually just 200 miles of range. That's the most frustrating thing about it. Yeah. And then uh, the follow-up is uh, uh, any, uh, so we don't know about uh, battery degradation yeah. on the model Mach-E. Yeah, that's, that. we, we got to keep an eye on that though. Like uh, I'm sure I think in the next year or two, we can have a lot more data about it. Okay. Uh Moving on, next question. Um, I know it's all speculation at this point from Philip Lavoie, but what would be your guess regarding Canadian prices for Cybertruck when it launches? Yeah, I, that that's uh, that's the thing. Like especially like uh, as someone uh, as a Canadian, and I we report on Tesla all the time, and I always uh, my my Tesla website always set to U.S. prices, and every now and again, like I have to remind myself, like I oh, in Canada, like. Uh, oh, can get a new mold for thirty six thousand dollars. Like, but then you go to the Canadian website; it's like sixty eight thousand uh, dollars. It's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tesla is not great. Also, at updating the price. Like when they update the Canadian price, uh, the U.S. price, sometimes they don't update the Canadian one. It doesn't track as well. Of course, there's also the the exchange rate. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean Cybertruck. One of the problem with it is like we don't even know the U.S. prices at this point because just to like remove all that from the website it looks like they're gonna change some of the trims. Uh, of course, there's a ton of inflation between when they announced those prices and now too. So, if you can get a Cybertruck for less than fifty-five thousand dollars U.S., I think that'd be good <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, uh, at least for the first few years because uh, I think Tesla's gonna focus on the Iron version. Maybe they bring out the fifty thousand dollar version one. Uh, later on, uh, so in Canada, like nothing under seventy thousand uh, dollars. That that would be like the starting point, I think. And then for literally for the first the first year of Canadian deliveries, which I don't think is going to be before like twenty twenty four. Good luck getting one for less than probably a hundred thousand dollars. It's it's that sad, unfortunately. All right, uh, we got one last question. Uh, this is about our sponsor recurrent. Just tried to sign up for recurrent. Is this only available in the U S yes, it's only available in the oh. U S for now. I think they talked about Canada, but I think it's only North America. Um, but there is some late breaking news for it. I don't know if you've gandered over at the, uh, nine to five Mac room, but um, the wall street journal just came out with a report on, uh, Elon and, and Twitter. And, uh, apparently Elon wants Donald Trump back on the platform. And then uh, also, this is a quote, Mr. Dorsey asked Mr. Musk to choose a single tweet to represent himself. And Elon, quote, I put the art in fart, quote, replied Mr. Musk, then 48 years old. 
we can end it on that. Uh, the, uh, so they, they went back to find a tweet back when he was 48 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but uh, yeah, I mean, the Donald Trump on the platform, uh, that, it, that, that, that's the, the touchy one because like it depends on if you, you, you find that you use Twitter for like the, the January 6th thing, like to incite violence and that, that, like that, that would be one of the rare occasion where based on Elon's own um, views where Twitter would actually intervene. So that's, that's a tricky one here, but I don't, but I don't even know that that's why he was banned from Twitter. Right. It was, when was he banned for Twitter? Was it, it was for the res, the interaction. Okay, it was for the interaction. Well, if it was, then like if if Twitter determined that he, he incited violence with that, that that would on Elon's side, I don't know why he would do that. But uh, but he did say that he, he would prefer um, suspension over banning. So he would if you people well, even when it's like potentially like a legal matter. No, I don't I don't know. Ah, it's just I don't, why is he doing this? It's yeah, such yeah. a mess. Such a mess. Yeah, I mean, oh, I think it's undervalued, generally speaking. Twitter, like, I think you know, compared to Facebook or you know, yeah, YouTube but, but, or but do, you, do you look at the revenue of Twitter? It's made, it makes it, a billion dollar in revenue a quarter. It's yeah, not it's that, not great. that big of a company. But you know, look at Netflix. If 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 Elon or whatever could get as many subscribers as Netflix for Twitter, then it would be worth you know a hundred times what it's worth now. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they have 229 million uh, daily users, a monthly yeah. users, DAOs, daily active users. Yeah, yeah, yeah active, so you get active users. Sometimes. Three bucks for each one of those, you'd be doing all right. Yeah, but good luck, good luck with that. Right. Good luck with that. Uh, the uh, I, I saw, I, I looked at the earnings because the earnings were this week, and uh, like the, the the part of the revenue from Twitter that was uh, subscription was like less than fifteen percent, I think. So most of them are menus still from advertising. Yeah. Anyway, good luck, Elon, with Twitter. <laughs> Unblock me, please. Right. All right. Thanks, everyone, for uh, listening to the podcast this week. Thanks to Recurrent for sponsoring the show. And I uh, hope you have a good weekend. We're going to see you same time, same place next week. Have a good one.